Welcome back to Scripps Talks. Today we have J.L. Kerbin with us talking about sports writing and sports journalism in the age of COVID-19. J.L. is a senior in the journalism school, is a very active postie, and has been doing a lot of internships, uh, is well on his way to a career as a sports writer. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. JL, where are you located physically right now? Currently, I'm in Columbus, the Westville area, and I am in my childhood bedroom. You're not alone in that regard. I'm sure there are many of your classmates who are hanging out in their uh, childhood bedroom. What kind of journalism have you been paying attention to lately, and, and particularly in the area of sports journalism? What writers and what media outlets are you paying attention to? Well, right now, I've been really interested in seeing how sports journalists have found a way to still create content without any sports. Of course, I have the ESPN app, The Athletic. Just seeing the way that they've been able to contact athletes and still put a sports spin on a story, it's been amazing how they've still been able to get a lot of quality features out of you know, not having face-to-face contact with the people that they're interviewing. So you grew up probably a, a Buckeye fan following Buckeye sports. Is that a fair assumption? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love my Bobcats, but definitely grew up bleeding scarlet and gray. What brought you to the land of the Bobcats? I assume it, the journalism school might have had something to do with it, but what was it that drew you specifically to the School of Journalism at Ohio University? the campus, definitely. Coming out of high school, I knew that I wanted a more intimate environment, and I felt like Ohio State was way too big. So when I came to Athens, the community, everybody who saw me knew that I was visiting, and they talked to me, and, you know, they let me know just how welcoming and how much fun the campus was. Of course, the journalism program is world-class. I didn't have to look at any other college. OU was my only visit and from day one, I knew that I wanted to be a Bobcat. What kind of sports have you focused on covering as a, as a Bobcat journalist? The cool thing about oh, you having such a large sports journalism program is that when you come in, you kind of have to start at the bottom. You know, you don't get put on the football and basketball beats right away. My first sport that I covered was actually field hockey. I knew nothing about the sport. I was terrified to ask the quotes questions because, you know, I didn't know the sport, and I didn't want him to know that. So it really forced me to catch up and learn more about sports like field hockey, soccer, men's golf, track. So by the time that I got to be able to cover women's basketball, men's basketball, football, I kind of had that sort of dogged mentality of like, okay, I have to know about this more than the average person. I have to know about the ins and outs so I can write the stories that do And I believe this this coming year, you are co-sports editor of The Post. What does it mean for you to go from being on the staff to being a a co-editor? It means the world to me. My post-sports editors over the years have been a huge help and a huge reason why I've been able to produce clips that have been internship-worthy. And now that I'm in that position to help freshmen and sophomore coming into the program, It just, you know, it puts a smile on my face. I know a lot of people think of the title and it's like, you know, point of pride. And I definitely take that. 
but the fact that I get to just help people with their stories. I have 17 visionaries on my staff, and just being able to help them get the most out of the stories that they want to tell is going to be a lot of fun to me. How does it work with you sharing the co-editor role? Will one of you focus on certain sports and the other focus on other sports? My co-editor is Jack Leckler, and Jack's a junior. And one thing I feel like Jack does really well is he's a very good feature writer. I'm more of a all-around. This year, I want to institute more multimedia elements to the staff, but I feel like Jack will be more hands-on with the writers about their feature stories. He came up through the copy editing system. He was a slot editor last year. So he'll be really good at making sure our writers are using the perfect words, making sure that they're writing with brevity. You mentioned a while ago Clips being internship worthy, and you've been a very active student when it comes to getting internships. Talk a little bit about the internships that you've had and, and how they've shaped you as a writer, as a sports journalist. My internships have been huge. My first one was at the Detroit Free Press, which in retrospect was a bit overwhelming for a first internship. I remember that my first few weeks were a little bit harder. I never had realized just how demanding the life of a journalist is. At the Post, I thought, you know, maybe four or five stories a week was something special. There, four or five stories a day was sort of the expectation. So just constantly having to search for stories and, you know, working on three, four, five stories at a time, just really showed me how to, you know, multi-manage and how to stay on top of it. At my second internship, I was at the Cincinnati Enquirer, which was a perfect fit. I absolutely loved my time at the Enquirer. Staff was fantastic. There was four or five or six bobcats there. There, they had me doing a lot of preps, like high school sports. Those experiences taught me how to really find stories and really made me, like, branch out because in Detroit, I was doing more, like, professional sports teams. I had PR departments that sort of set up interviews that I wanted to have. In Cincinnati, I had to be more proactive about that. I had to find the gems. And then my last internship was for a Ohio State website called 11 Warriors, and that was completely different than the first two. It was all about what sort of stories get clicks and how to really engage with the fan audience. They gave me a column that I was able to write each week. It was on 10 things that we hated about the opponent that Ohio State was facing that week. It made me write in a different type of way. Like, up until my life, I had never really tried to write funny. And being able to do that was like, hey, like, this is a different avenue that is kind of fun for me, like, now that I think that I've done that, I might be interested in doing a column. It really forced me to be more interactive with my audience, you know. What do they want to see? What What's interesting to them? Because sports journalism is supposed to be fun in some aspects, and I feel like that's what I learned the most from that internship. What we always hear about Ohio State fans is they take their team very seriously. <laughs> I think having fun is one thing, but I, I know they have a lot of opinions, too. What kind of reactions did you get to your writing? For the most part, it was pretty positive, just because the site is full of Ohio State diehards, and the content was typically more positive. Every now and then, you know, somebody would be like, oh, you forgot this, or, or you forgot that. There was a few times a fan of the opposing team, you know, was 
come in and be like, you don't know what you're talking about, or something like that, which was, was fun to go back and forth with playful banter. For the most part, you know, Ohio State fans are pretty rowdy, pretty fun, opinionated. <laughs> I love it. it. It makes the job so much more fun. Now, you've been taking part in a contest called the Big Scribble, and I, I w- I'd like to have you talk a little bit about what that contest is and why it is that you are being successful right now. Obviously, you're a good writer and that's working, but you're also motivated enough to take part. Share with our listeners a bit about the background on the Big Scribble. About four weeks ago, former Sports Illustrator writer Jeff Perlman and author Jonathan Ike decided that amidst all the COVID stuff that kids needed something to look forward to. A lot of my friends have lost internships over the summer because of it, and they just wanted to create something that would make everybody have some fun and help out, you know, the next generation of journalists. So they came up with the Big Scribble. We started off with 409 contestants. Each week we get an assignment, and the assignment is due on Tuesday at noon Pacific time. Uh, The first week we had to write a lead for a feature. Second week we had to do a food review. Third week we had to find a story on hair and write that. I think I've found success throughout the tournament because of the lessons that I've learned in script school. A lot of the lessons that I learned in 2311 have really helped me out this week. Like, for instance, this week we have to write an obit. I completely remember Justice Hill's lectures on obit writing, the style, the technique, the way to do it, the words that we shouldn't use and the words that we should use. And remembering those lessons is a reason why I feel like my work has been a little bit more polished. I still have a ways to go. If I make it out of this round, next week is the finals. I would love to, you know, bring that title home for OU. There's a lot of fantastic contestants. You know, I'm just happy to be in the final 32. For the most part, you know, it's just been a really fun experience. The judges are some of the best in the world. My favorite writer, Marin Fader, is a panelist. Candace Buckner. Evan Moore. There's just phenomenal journalists around, and each week they send us critiques on our work. So not only are we competing, we're getting better throughout the competition. What are some of the feedback details that you've gotten so far? One style of my writing is I'm a huge fan of the delayed lead, which may be to a fault. One of my pieces probably wouldn't have won unless it were a strong finish. So one thing that the judges have been telling me is just like, sometimes it's a good idea to just come out the gate strong. Readers nowadays, their attention spans aren't as great as they were. Sometimes you have to use a lead that catches a reader straight off the bat. So I've been trying to, you know, be a little bit more aggressive than earlier in my stories. If listeners to this podcast or your friends want to follow along on this contest, what's the timing? When will the uh, announcement be made about who going forward and who isn't going forward? Jeff Perlman on his Twitter page and the Big Scribbles formal Twitter page, they announced the winners each week on Sunday. Last week was at 9, but the, the first two weeks was at 8. I don't know if it was just because of Mother's Day this week that it got pushed back. But in that time frame, he gets on and he announces the kids from each school that's going to advance to the next round. And that's in the, in the morning or in the evening? In the evening. How much time do you actually have to work on the piece? Is it a tight time pressure? After you find out you advance on Sunday, you get your assignment around midnight Monday night. 
and then it's due at noon Pacific time, so 3 o'clock Eastern time on Thursday. Okay, so you do have a little bit more time than maybe in 2311, as a matter of fact. Right. There's definitely, the deadline pressure is definitely not as tight as Justice Hill's famous you mentioned Justice uh, Hill. What are some of the ways that he has um, influenced you and your fellow sports journalists at Ohio University? One thing that I feel like Justice has done really well is toughen us up. You know, Justice is a fantastic guy, but he can be harsh on your work. He's not harsh on you, but he can be harsh on your work. When you understand that, you realize just how much he cares about you and how much he wants his students to succeed. Of course, some people who have had him have felt like, oh, I can't do anything right. But then once they're in the real world and they remember those lessons, they realize, wow, like, justice taught me this this way because it's the best way to do it. It's the way that, it's the best way to write this story. It's the best way to attack a lead. And you realize, like, wow, he made me a way better journalist my experience with stories about Justice Hill, they change quite a bit from the time that you're in the middle of the class to when the class is, is over or even down the road a little bit. Absolutely. One thing funny about Justice is if you survive 2311 and you take any other class with him, he's a completely different professor. <laughs> like, and he's still a great guy in 2311. Don't get me wrong. 2311 is definitely the intro course, the, the course that if you go through it right, you, you avoid having a lot of bad habits. So he has to be harder. But once you get through that, I mean, generally the film was hands down the best class that I've ever taken at OU. And he's a huge reason because of that. Now I have to say for the listeners, uh, and many listeners will already know this, but Justice retired at the end of last year. But he is still a presence. He still engages with uh, our students and follows their careers and uh, in- sends me reading material, you know, suggested things to read. So uh, even though he's technically retired, he's not unengaged by any means. You're also going to be involved in a leadership role in the Associated Press Sports Editors, if I'm well informed. I am on exec staff. We're still figuring out our role. We have a bunch of guys graduating. Potentially it could be vice president or sort of a consultant to the group, but yeah, I've been with APSE for about two years now. What do you think the value of APSE is uh, for an incoming freshman who wants to be a sports writer? Like, wh- why should they get involved in APSE or join APSE? If you want to do anything with sports, PR, sports writing, broadcast, you should be an APSE. The people that we get to speak to us each week on a daily basis, I mean, we got Jeff Perlman. We've had Taylor Rooks come, Anthony Kasservance, like plenty of alums are into the program. And it's only one, I mean, first year is 25 and then after that, it's only $5 a year to renew your membership. So it's a super cheap investment that pays off, that pays huge dividends in the long run. I was going to go to the APSC convention this year. When you go, there's tons of sports editors, tons of hiring people. And when they see you there, they understand that you're serious about it. You know, you want to learn from the best, you want to get better, and you want to improve your craft. It's a really fun group to be a part of. You know, we try to have pizza at our meetings when we can. You know, we we have the Bob Moran Sports Symposium each year where the alums come back, and, you know, you get to go out with the alums and really see who they are as people. And you just feel like you're brought into a brotherhood or just a family of 
turn our uh, attention toward COVID-19 and what impact, since you obviously can't go to APSC and nobody can go to the APSC national meeting, that's just one example of the impact that this virus has had. But what are some ways that you're trying to maintain your momentum because you know you're going into your senior year and you obviously want to end in a strong way but there are a lot of questions uh, about what's looming ahead of us this fall and and think about the football season professional and college and high school you know all those things that you would have been covering what weighs on you as you think about that i've had to sort of take a more technical approach to it for a while, like the way I felt like I've gotten better is just by repetitions, you know, covering games, covering pressers. But since I can't do that, I've been trying to read more. Currently, I'm reading The Art and Craft of Speech Writing by William E. Blundell. I basically tried to create a journalism course for myself since I've been here. I got Masterclass, the app on that has a whole bunch of fantastic storytellers that teach you their methods. So right now I'm taking a class on storytelling by Neil Gaiman. I have other books that Justice has loaned me to read. He sends me stuff to, he sends me stories to analyze and dissect and read each day. And then, plus with the big scribble, I've found plenty of ways, you know, just stay busy and stay polished because don't do nothing until sports come back. I'm definitely going to be pretty rusty. I was interviewing, and you might want to catch this when I post it, probably later today, a, a podcast with uh, Garrett Downing, who's with the Baltimore Ravens. And they're obviously planning on a season, but they realize that anything could happen. I think I saw where the Pac-12 may only play games against other teams in the Pac-12. I mean, obviously a lot of organizations and leagues are having to figure out how to handle a very difficult-to-handle situation. Have you been following uh, any of those discussions closely, or are you more hunkered down and focused on writing? I've been following what's going on with the NBA, the Pac-12. It's tough because we all miss sports. Sports are just a great escape. They're fun. It's so emotional, and not having that is definitely missing a boy. But we have to be safe. It's for a good reason. You hear stories like the UFC. You know, a couple weeks ago, they tried to have a card, and a few of their fighters ended up getting the coronavirus. And it's just like, you know, and bad as we miss this and, you know, want this, at what risk? Nobody wants to see a player get sick. Like, of course we want the NBA season to come back as fun as it's been. Like, are the Clippers going to win? Are the Lakers going to win it? They're trying to figure out ways to do it. But if one player gets sick, do you shut the whole thing down? Do you even take that risk? Of course it's like... You know, we wanted to all come back. At the end of the day, you just got to be smart about it so the situation doesn't get worse. JL, thank you very much for telling us your story, and we, we're going to be rooting you on in the big scribble. And also, as your career develops, we'll be celebrating each of your milestones as you move through that. So best of luck to you, and stay safe. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. J.L. Curvin from Columbus, Ohio, in his childhood bedroom, staying safe. Good luck on Sunday.